All right, welcome. It's the 162nd episode of the Mina's House podcast. I mean to say what? Garnett Briscoe. Oh, we can't hear you. Stucky, like I'm at this point, you should never be muted on Zoom. You should know better now. So Dexter Stucky, I'm here. <laughs> uh, guys, so I'm excited. We have a guest joining us, Adam Blackstone. Adam is incredible. He's a musical director for literally probably every sh live show you've ever seen. Every amazing live show, whether it be on TV, whether it be in in concert, in person, I literally I believe Adam has a hand in it. So we're going to talk to him a little bit later. Uh, he's going to join us. He's going to talk about how you even get into being a music director and some of the the amazing things that he's worked on musically. Um, and yeah, so he's joining us later. I'm wearing my Kobe Bryant jersey today. Well, not a jersey, but my shirt. So at the time that we are recording this and of course we are live on Facebook, uh, it's been a year since Kobe and Gianna passed away in that helicopter crash. I mean, I remember exactly where I was. I was I literally had just got to the radio station and I had to go live in Philadelphia, which is where he's from, you know, and break this news on to people live on on the radio. And it's crazy because somebody somebody actually that day when I talked about it, um, Somebody actually had tweeted me and said, wow, I saw this on social media and I didn't believe it until I heard you say it. So it really solidified that like people value my voice and they know that I'm not going to say something crazy. And when I said it, it was real for them. And they were like, I literally just saw this on Twitter like a second ago. And then I turned on the radio and you were talking about it. And that's how I knew it was real. And I literally cried. You know, it was like the hardest thing I've ever had to do. Talk about that and break that news. Like as it happened. Remember for me, like, my birthday is the same week of this. And I just remember thinking, like, how do you celebrate your birthday when, like, someone you admire, like, literally all your life, is, like, passed away with their child in a helicopter? And it's just, like, every day after that, like, you heard a different story from a different person. Even the day of, it was, like, there were so many confusing and conflicting stories that I just remember being, like, I can't be on social media at all. Like, I just, I can't do it. And, yeah. like, it's weird because I, I feel like I'm in a better space now than I was then in regards to this. But like, it's one of those things you just never forget. Right. Yeah. No, it's definitely. Um, yeah, it's still it's it still hurts. You know, not only was he a beloved, you know, uh, person and, uh, you know, basketball figure, but, you know, he also was on there with, you know, children and, you know, he was on there with other parents and they was just living their everyday life, you know, and I think that's what is kind of, you know, a little scary and a little airy to people still to this day, you know, he just was living his normal life and, you know, he, he passed with others and, uh, you know, the people that are still here, you know, still have to live with that. And, you know, that's stuff that I thought about today, you know, is just when I thought about the whole Kobe Bryant situation is really just, you know, the people that are still here dealing with it, his, uh, his loved ones, uh, the 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 other people that are that that were on a helicopter, their loved ones, right? You know, answering questions, and you know, we 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 all have had someone pass in our life, and that day is always going to be tough, you know. But you know, 
can you just imagine how it is on this platform where, you know, ESPN is covering it. We're talking about it, you know, just about everybody, you know, has this at the front of their mind. Right. You know, my, my heart, you know, really just goes out to the family today. So, yeah. Uh, so besides that, let's get into what's going on in our feed. Uh, Dexter, Ashanti, Keisha Cole. Uh, I, this was your night. I saw your shirt. You, <laughs> Ashanti's number one fan. Uh, I actually think Ashanti be, won. I mean, Ashanti beat Keisha. I, I, I believe that. Define think. Like, what do you mean think? <laughs> well, there was some, there was some scat. I was skeptical going into it, you know, but I think Keisha's attitude really diminished for me, her, her performance. Mm -hmm. And um, that's why I'm saying, I think Ashanti won because I went into it thinking Keisha's vocals are so different from Ashanti's, you know, and I, and I think that Keisha's vocals are stronger. So I thought this was going to be a blow away, but her attitude ain't stronger. So Boys ain't neither. Look, for me, <laughs> the craziest thing about the, the, the versus battle is that the, it started so late. Like, we were prepared to, I don't know why y'all were prepared for 8 o'clock, because, you know, and never on time. So I don't know why y'all were prepared for 8 o'clock. I knew it wasn't going to start at 8 o'clock. I didn't think that it will be damn near 9 o'clock before it started, though. But I will say, I remember sitting there, I had my drink, and I was sitting there, and I was like, yo, this Ashanti's like my favorite artist besides Drake. Ashanti's my favorite artist of all time. She's literally on a stage, a, a big st platform, and per and performing a private concert for me the week before my birthday. <laughs> and I'm just like, God does not play when it comes to me. Like that was God. <laughs> that was a blessing for me. I remember I was sitting in my living room and it's so great that it was just me by myself because I was in there rocking with you, dancing and whatnot. <laughs> I'm like, nobody knows these songs except for me. I know nobody knows those songs. I'm the only who knew those songs and I was in heaven. Like I love So all 600,000 of the rest of us on the live, we wasn't there watching her do these unknown songs, which I knew a couple of them, not all of them, but I knew a couple of them. Every word, <laughs> what album was on, when it was released, what she was wearing in the video. I knew everything. Do <laughs> you, you ever have a moment that you know everybody else is there, but you just feel like it's just for you? That was that before Keisha came, that was the verses for me. I was just like, I can die happy now. I'm good. Yeah, I was I was completely shocked. And I actually thought about you, Dex, uh, when when I was watching the verses, um, that I knew we was gonna have this moment where uh Keisha Cole tried to sing and her voice cracked a little bit. <laughs> A lot of it. And, you know, I don't know what she was doing beforehand, but that I, that really like took her energy for the rest of the night because she wasn't trying to perform the songs the way that she could or the way that she wanted to. Uh, and Ashanti just kept killing stuff, man. Every time, you know, the the, the, the mood to kind of get somber and go down or something that happened, here she come with another banger. And she's singing. She's even singing Keisha songs like, you know. <laughs> She's she's showing off her her vocals, and uh, I I was actually like really surprised by that. I, Keisha must have just had an off night or something. I don't know, but uh, that was very surprising. So I I, I definitely uh, had you on mind, Dex. I, I really did. 
You know what's crazy to me, though? I saw like Keisha go live afterwards. I saw Swiss and Timberland go live. Keisha didn't think she had an attitude. And then I seen people in her comments talk about you ain't have an attitude. Define attitude. He came but- in like, turn my mic up. Where my drink at? Why y'all looking at me like this? Sit down. Where is Shantia? Oh, she's there. <laughs> it's like, that's, that's a good point, too. So- Wait, but is that a boss thing or is that an attitude thing? That was complete attitude. You you came in with an attitude, like late too, with an attitude. Imagine somebody coming to work, which we uh-huh. all know that person. You come to work an hour late and you upset. How are you upset? You had an hour <laughs> extra of sleep. Like. Now, yeah, she, she uh, I, I don't know if it was attitude or not, but I feel like uh, in this versus when the people take it a little too seriously, like an hour late is a little crazy. Like you could be 15 minutes late, 20 minutes late, an hour late. You was taking this entirely too seriously. You still allowed to have fun, Keisha. Yeah. Come on time. Have some fun. Don't get nobody no attitude. And you know, let's 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 rock out. But yeah. I didn't get it, girl. I'm like, you couldn't you didn't like do this before. Like, I think she was probably very into what she was wearing and her physical appearance. And then when she got on to the stage, um, I think that she realized, oh, this looks crazy. And then she had to fix that. That should have been fixed before you even sat in the chair, girl. You should have sat in the chair and sound checked or something and sat there to see what you look like. How how do you want it positioned? What is the lighting? So that's really what the issue is. She spent way too much time on what she looked like. And I'm just this is just my you know, my hypothesis. And then you get there and you sit down and you realize it sounds and looks a mess. And now you've got to fix that. That should have been handled before you did your makeup. You want to know why, though? It's because Doritos didn't cut her. (laughs) (laughs) She didn't get no money for the verses. But I will say this, though, and this is the, 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 the not engaged man in me. I was just waiting all night long for a nipple to pop out for Keisha. I'm just like, come on. She was leaning over. When she did the Sean Paul song, she did the wine. I said, oh, it's coming. It's coming. (laughs) (laughs) Yo, you crazy. (laughs) Well, I will say I enjoyed it. Um, uh, I just really enjoyed the music. I was surprised when I was watching Timberland's uh, live with, with, uh, Swiss beats afterwards. Typically was like, I didn't know I wasn't aware that both of them had this many hits. I was like, what rock are you under, bro? <laughs> How you a music producer and you didn't realize they had all those hits. Also, didn't you didn't you book them? I don't I think it's Swiss who's maybe putting it together a little bit, you know, at least that one. So, um, yeah, and they were talking about Swiss was talking about how everybody got a different personality, you know, and you really got to deal with that with the verses dealing with these different personalities. I mean, think about the personalities we've seen. Sean Garrett. Mm-hmm. Like who's dealing with that? You know, what's the boy um, that had the messed up sound? The Gucci man alone is just like this. <laughs> that man was all over the place. Doing his- Gucci man. What's the man that had the best the Wi-Fi? Teddy Riley. Teddy Riley. Like, right. So imagine having to deal with all those personalities and, you know, you got to deal with that and then the rest of it. So um, apparently they're planning uh, Valentine's Day versus and then uh, Timberland on an interview was saying that Drake wants to see Justin Timberlake and Usher. Wow. So Drake is putting in. <laughs> I'm thinking I, when you said Drake wants to see, I'm like, oh, who he wants to do a versus with Lil Wayne? Like, who does he want to? Right. He no. wants to 
he's he's putting in people he wants to see do Drake shut the hell up <laughs> that's how are you an artist talking about who you want to see we want to see you you don't tell us who you want to see <laughs> you know what I don't think we'll ever see Drake do it yeah, you, you're too good to do it, but you're going to pick a bunch of other people to do it. Get out of here. That's exactly what he said. So we'll see what the next one is. All right, moving on. Trey Songs. So we were all taken back when we saw that there was some police brutality going on at the Chiefs game, right? We didn't have no backstory. But I remember when I saw the video, I'm like, Trey is bold. He punched the cop in the head and then put the dude in the headlock. And I was like, wow, <laughs> what happened to lead up to this? And it's funny, when I first saw the video, I was like, why he ain't got a mask on? Here are all these people, they scuffling, basically is what they're doing in the stands. And you don't got a mask on. So then, lo and behold, afterwards, we find out that the reason why the cops came over in the first place was because he did not have a mask on. There were people at the Chiefs game, which is a playoffs game in the back. They felt uncomfortable. You over there yelling and screaming and sneezing and stuff. Your germs is coming up. The wind is blowing it all up in my face. I will complain to security, too. Security go over. And then they're like, sir, you got to put your mask on. These are the COVID rules when you're in an arena in an open space with other people. He refuses. They call the cops and the cops come and try to remove him. And then he ends up putting them in a headlock. Do you think all of this should have happened because he didn't have a mask on? I mean, yep. I just I think yeah. COVID, COVID songs needs to chill. Like enough is enough. Like, you know, COVID songs is the same person who in October, I believe it was, had COVID. Right turned around in maybe it was like December, January. It had a large concert with a bunch of people there. You don't care. You don't care about COVID. You're you're one of those people who just think, I guess you think it's not real, even though you've had it. Right. You have a young son at home. Like you're trash. Like I just, there's no redeeming qualities with that. To be honest with you, even the fact that you would even go to an arena during COVID, it's just like, how entitled do you, are you? Like, <laughs> I just, there's no respect for me when it comes to that one anymore. Mm. How about you, Garnett? So I'm trying to just make sure fact check something, right? Because I believe, if I'm not mistaken, didn't Trey Songs have like a little issue back in Kansas City where like one of the players thought that, you know, uh, the woman cheated on him? with Trey Songs and he ended up like murdering her or something like that. Murdering? Uh, huh? Did you say murdering? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I can fact check that for you. I don't think that's true. <laughs> so I, I, I just want to make sure I'm talking about, the, you know, the because if so, if we, I am correct, why is he back in Kansas City? Trey Songs, the singer, you said murder somebody? No, no, no. He, he didn't. So apparently the football player accused his girlfriend of... I did read that. Trey songs and he ended up murdering the girl and himself, I believe. I I remember reading that. Yeah, Hayes Mosley murder suicide. He accused her of an affair with Trey Songs. Yes, I remember. Earl Hayes, the man who cops say shot his famous wife to death Monday and then killed himself, was haunted by her infidelity. In particular, he said she, he she was having a fling with singer Trey songs. Wow. I remember this. So it's like, it's 
I don't know. You know, people are entitled to live their lives, especially, you know, if things aren't true and it didn't go that way. But it is just a little like you put yourself back in hot fire. It's like, what are you doing back at the Kansas City game? One, two, now you're there literally breaking protocol. It's like these guys worked all year. They wasn't supposed to have a season. Right. So for you to actually show up to the game, and it's more than disrespectful to just the fans. It's the players on the field because if they knew, they would try to whip your butt just like that. <laughs> the cops were because that's what they out here doing. Like you're not bigger than a playoff game because you're Trey Songs, my guy. Put yeah. On, let these guys play. Let everybody get home safely because everybody, you know, in order to get into the stadium, I'm pretty sure they had to check your temperature. These guys are playing, you know, paying good money when they aren't supposed to be at these games, like the NFL are allowing some, you know, some NFL stadiums to have people in them. So, you know, just to be disrespectful towards the game like that, it's a little crazy when you paid money to be there. I was just disappointed that you had COVID (laughs) and you're out here being reckless. And, you know, when I first saw the video, I saw people talk about police injustice and police brutality, and I did not jump there. Because there's been enough smoke around Trey songs to know that he got a little bad attitude, you know, and, uh, you know, he used to rap. Remember, they used to call him Trigger Trey. (laughs) So so he used to be a rapper. So um, I wanted to see the full the full story. And when it came out that he wasn't wearing a mask, like, bro, you deserve what you got. And you punch a cop in the face. (laughs) <laughs> like and put him in a headlock like you got some nerve bro did you see the mugshot though <laughs> he was looking stupid like right kind of- oh, I, I was like what kind of mugshot is this it looks like he's on the floor he's looking sideways <laughs> right it's still it's it's freezing in kansas city like uh, my, like why wouldn't you just want to wear the mask for that like right the, like do people have to know trey songs is in the building like, is, is that the reason why we were doing this at the stadium? What's going on? I don't know, but I'm glad that they did something about it because I want sports to come back. And people like this are the reason why if sports does come back, they're not going to let us be in the stands. And and when I talk about come back, I mean the live aspects of going to a sports show or a a sports game, you know, like if we can't get this together, you know, concerts aren't coming back. None of that, because you always gonna have the people that feel like they don't got to wear a mask, you know, and you're going to ruin it for us. So, um, (laughs) speaking of dragging, oh, Danny Lay, you know, I've had mixed feelings about Danny Lay all week. At first I was like, girl, you dumb. But then I was like, damn, girl, they dragging you. So I've been up and down with this girl. So Danny Lay is dating the baby. She puts out a song called Yellow Bone. I thought that was in poor taste because literally in the song, she says he likes a yellow bone. There's been drama. The backstory to this is the baby has a baby mom and he was with her when he first came into the industry. She's dark skinned as he is. Right. So then the rumors are that he was cheating on the baby mom. Right. He got another girl pregnant. So already there's this sense within the culture that we feel bad for the baby's baby mom. You know, she he over here having babies on her. He claims they weren't together, but we already have a sympathy for that woman. Then comes Danny Lay. 
talking about, well, he likes light-skinned women. He likes yellow bones. You should already know you're going to strike a chord with people. That struck a chord with me, girl. You just made it about color. And we already feel bad for this woman. And now you're talking about he likes a yellow bone, right? <laughs> but then... People started saying after she tried to apologize that she not a yellow bone. She not she's white. She can't say she a yellow bone and started calling her a colorist. What do you guys think about this? You know, I think it's one of those things that whenever you are of a different complexion, specifically a lighter complexion, and you say certain things like and um, automatically people who are darker are going to come for you. And a lot of that comes from the fact that people who are darker, especially women, have been marginalized like right at the, the beginning of history it's always happened like lighter is better and and i think we've gotten to a place where women are speaking up about that and it's like people are fed up with it so like you're naturally going to get called out about that right that's just what it's going to be i think the issue comes in where she tried to issue an apology like she's like you know what like i understand where you guys are coming from i didn't mean it like that but the way she did the apology and talked about how I have dark skinned friends and this man I date is a dark skinned man. It's chocolate. Just chocolate. Right. That is literally a white person saying, oh, I have a black friend. Oh, I have a black, you know, like my, my best friend is black. Like, no, like you don't even like you. She went through the process of saying that she understood what colorism is, but then turned around and was a colorist. Like it was just like, what are you doing? Right. Because you date somebody who was dark skinned, it does not mean that you're not a colorist. That's like there are white people who date black people and they're still racist. Right. They're made the same way that other people see them. Like that's she's done a lot of things that I think have been trashed before. But I think this really kind of takes the cake. Like you just are consistently a trashy person. And that's just what it is. Um, wow, that was pretty harsh. That was, <laughs> I, I don't hate a lot of people, I, but I I yeah, no. you hate a lot of people, Dex. You be <laughs> you be reckless on social media. You hate a couple people, Dex. This is why you're on their blacklist, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. I just um, I actually I feel a little bad for her um because she felt like she had to make a statement or apology, um. Because where are we at in our culture where this woman can't refer to herself as a yellow bone um, when other people are referring to themselves as exotic or a foreign chick or even call myself, hey, my name's Meg the Stallion. That's like separating yourself and putting you on a pedestal for being a taller, thick woman. You, you know, so it's like at, at what point, you know, if, if, if a brown skinned girl does this, is this a bad thing? Is this looked at well? You gotta hold it down for the light skin. That it, where in actuality, is not really that serious. If you really want to keep the same energy, like let's let's um, let's uh, say something about the people that's talk about all of these drugs, pop mollies, do this, do that. This one is just literally saying, "Hey, I'm yellow. Whatever the guy that I'm dealing with likes me. Not even like he's preferred this kind of woman, because if you ask him, if you look at his resume, clearly he likes all women, you know? So it's literally just her stating, hey, you know, I'm light skin or whatever. And everybody else seems to have some kind of anthem, not saying that this is right, but just keep the same energy across the board because she didn't say anything that wasn't said before her and the people before her didn't get dragged. 
You know what? When she first, first of all, it wasn't a full song. It was a thriller. So it was a snippet, right? When she first started to tweet and say, yo, y'all can't cancel me. Only God can cancel me. I already knew this was going to go left. Because I was like, girl, you, I, you're literally, I mean, you're you're creating a, a, a bigger mess. You know, from the beginning, she should have been like, look, I was just having a little fun. I shouldn't have done this. I didn't realize, you know, the 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 connotations. I apologize. Back out. That's it. But, but I think that she really didn't come with a full apology on Twitter, you know, and then when she came with the video to your point, Dex, she she was she pointed out the color. That's what a color is does. Put the braids in her hair. Tell me about the braids, Bob. Well, and, and that's what I wanted to talk about because a lot of people were saying, "Well, you ain't black. You can't call yourself a yellow bone, right?" She's Dominican. I don't get into that. And and that and right and that's where I that's the conver- why I wanted to have this conversation. She's Dominican. A lot of Dominicans that I know identify as black because when you look at the census, it says white, black. I think Native American and Island Pacifica or whatever Pacifica. I don't identify with any of those. I don't check off white, black. And mind you, race is literally a physical thing. It's a physical attribute. It's what is your your tone? What is your hair? This isn't white hair. You want to tell me this is like, hello, (laughs) you know? So it's like it's not white hair is, is straight. You know what I'm saying? So it's like it's 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 your your skin tone, your eyes, your nose, your mouth, your complexion, your hair. Is it textured? Is it not textured? So it's like for people to go on there and be like, well, she white. You can't be yellow bone. I'm like, she's not white. I think like listen to what Garnett said, although I, I was like not wanting to hear it. I think, though, listen to what he said. Like, it does make me think a little bit about being backed into a corner. Like, and I think that because she's done so much that has been so annoying to so many people, I think that, like, honestly, no matter what she would, because Megan Thee Stallion has said, like, my body's better than other women. You know what I mean? Like, Beyonce's even done it. Like, you know what I mean? If you want to see some some real ass whatever, like, people do do that. And actually, I don't disagree with what he said. I have to really think about it, but I don't disagree. I think that this girl, though, has been backed into a corner so much because of stuff she said. But she's been back into a corner so much that I think she's gotten to a point where she doesn't even care if she's truly offending people because people are offending her on a daily basis. Like she gets on the Internet and people just drag her every single day. And I think that she feels like at this point where it's just like, whatever I do, y'all are going to have something negative to say about it. I'm just trying to defend myself in this situation. And I think when you're in a in a place of defensiveness, you say things like that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think she's really thinking through what she's saying. She's just so backed into a corner and trying to defend herself. And she's hurt. And she's just throwing that on everybody else. I think that's what it is. Well, yeah. I mean, people are calling her Rachel Dolezal. You know how offensive that is? Like, say someone called me Rachel Dolezal. I'm like, I'm Spanish. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, you know, t- literally, I'm Hispanic and Latin. If you want to look at my ethnicity and, you know, and my my background, you know, my grandmother's from Spain. So I'm literally Hispanic, you know, and then my mother's Peruvian. She's literally in Latin America. So technically, Peruvians are really Native American. I don't look Native American. You know what I'm saying? A little bit, you think? I don't I don't look nothing like so that's what I'm saying. Like it really bothered me when people were like, Well, you white and I'm like, 
No, just because you're fair skinned doesn't mean that you could tell somebody what the, what their race and ethnicity is. Yeah. Right now, when she said, I don't have white hair, I said, what you call it? <laughs> you don't. What do you think? If I have if, if I comb my hair, I have a fro. <laughs> like that's is funny. No, it's it's just man. Like I said, it's where just where are we at? Because you know, to go back to what Dex and to what you were saying, mean is that you know she's saying all of these things too because of the pressure. It's heat on her. You know, if if, if I had any advice, you know, to hers. Just focus on your music at this point. You see that social media is not your best friend, so just use it as a tool. Right now, you aren't able to maneuver the way that you would like to and just post stuff and have people on your side because it seems like every time you do speak, you're offending somebody or trying not to offend somebody so much that you're actually offensive. (laughs) So it's it's really just, uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of peer pressure, man. It, It really is. Yeah, I was just very, clearly I was very bothered by the conversation because then they drag Cardi B into this. They always do because Cardi B is Dominican and they you know, a lot of sometimes people talk about her and I'm like, I've met play. I literally when I was growing up, I had two Dominican friends and one girl had curly hair, a green eyes, light skin, huge ass. My other friend, huge ass, dark skin, textured hair, brown eyes. They were both Dominican. My light-skinned Dominican friend used to say, when people used to ask her, what are you? I'm Dominican. My dark-skinned Dominican friend used to say, I'm black. <laughs> you know? So it's like, literally, you two people from the same place identifying completely different ways. Like, it, ha- it there's so much colorism in, in, in Hispanic culture and Latin culture in general. You know, so it really gets under my skin. People, people won't uh, try to do research or just won't even accept the fact that it's a lot of people that's that's black out here. Like it really is. There's a lot of people that has black inside of them that I guess quote unquote should be able to say certain things if you're counting how much black is in somebody. But you know, it, uh, uh, a lot of people just don't know exactly where they come from because of the colorism. You know, uh, coming up on islands where you know they just revere white people, kind of the same way that you know we do here, where it's it's looked bad upon. You know, if you are a certain type of uh, you know skin tone or something like that. I have Dominican friends that mm-hmm. you know, they they grew up low key, like almost racist. You know, like against themselves. Yeah. Black people this, black people that, but it's like you black too. And I, I can bet you a thousand dollars right now if you got pulled over or something or the cops was looking for you and they gave a description, your description is coming out black. <laughs> so I, it really don't matter what you say. That's what that is. Like that's what you so you know what though? My Cuban friend used to say that to me, right? So I used to tell him, I'm like, well, wh- why does your brother identify as Cuban and you identify as black when you literally have the same parents? And he used to say to me, when the cops stop me, they're not going to say that's a Cuban man. They're going to say that's a black man. So I fight it. <laughs> right. So he says, I, I just identify as black. So um, I just did not enjoy that at all. And I really hope that we educate ourselves when it comes to, you know, our different different countries and, and, you know, what they represent race wise and ethnicity wise as well. So we are waiting on Adam right now. Who I got a little heated over that. Uh, question. question. My blood pressure was high because people have told me I'm white and I was like, what? 
Well, Mina, if it makes you feel any better, people have told me that I'm white too. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> no disrespect, but I just don't identify that way, you know? Uh, question. Uh, never mind. All right. We actually locked in. Locked and loaded. Yes, yes. Hello, Adam. How are you? What up? What up? Welcome, welcome to the podcast. It's Adam Blackstone, music director, songwriter, producer. You've worked with Justin Timberlake, Rihanna, Janet Jackson, Alicia Keys, Eminem, Nicki Minaj. The list goes on and on and on and on. You've done shows for the Super Bowl and, uh, you know, the NFL, BET, VH1, MTV, basically like most you you hyping me up that's listen people everywhere people gotta know people gotta know that if you've seen it live on tv in concert adam blackstone is responsible welcome adam to the podcast as you know i mean to say what (laughs) yeah what's up mina what's up homies I, i i appreciate you having me you know what i'm saying you you definitely have done your thing and continue to make an impact on radio and all over social so I, i'm i'm honored to be here yo Aww. yeah i have a, uh, my co-hosts are here dexter garnett what i have a theory on the show and you're you're pulling right into it it's like anytime somebody comes on and they have any type of purple in their background it's perfect energy and there's purple in your background i mean i feel like you <laughs> You know what? I only have like a plum, little plum. Good Uh I only have good people, good energy on the pod, you know. Um, Now, Adam, I felt like it was important for you to be on the pod because not only are you curating the Jasmine Sullivan National Anthem at the Super Bowl coming up on February 7th. Right. But I feel like every time there's a big show. You are a part of it. And I feel like more people need to know your name. <laughs> like you no, have worked with so, so many incredible people. It's so interesting. I, I had a meeting with a publicist today uh, for the first time in a long time. Um, and I, you know, I have to be honest, Mina, and say that I never really did or I don't do what I do for the recognition. Um, first Super Bowl 2017, I dove into that so crazy. So when I had got an Emmy nomination for it, it really, really felt validated that I felt like my peer group, um, like liked what I did. You know what I'm saying? And I grew up in the, I'm 39, so I grew up in the era of like not needing social media to get a job, which is a blessing. Um, um, but also it's almost like if people don't see you doing stuff, it's like, did it really happen? Right. (laughs) Um, and so a lot of my work specifically the last six to seven years has been on television and film. So they, they get to see the work, but I work on so much more music than what people actually see. And, and, and I gotta be honest and say that I'm a terrible, um, documenter of that because I dive into the creative part and not necessarily to get the, the views or the likes. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that because the people who do that, they're, 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 um, popular for a reason. And, and even their skill set 
can can eclipse can take them over because people are seeing it. So I, I guess what I'm saying is like, you know, the work that I dive into is really because I'm self-motivated. You know what I mean? And 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 it and it feels good though when people do recognize it and 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 like it for that, for lack of a better term. Adam, like one thing that I thought was really interesting is that we've never met each other, but we're both a part of history together. All right. I realized that like earlier today, so I was watching the inauguration like everybody else, and I felt like this feeling and I couldn't really explain like what the feeling was, but I felt something. And I didn't realize what it was until like almost eight, nine o'clock at night when I heard Justin Timberlake and Aunt Clemens, they sung a song. And I'm like, oh, I really like this song. Like, what is it called? Mm-hmm. And I did the Shazam and the song was called Better Days, which you had at hand in putting getting that song put out. Yep. And I learned that that song is the most Shazam song in history. And I Shazam the song. So we're part of history together. <laughs> <laughs> Dexter, Dexter will always find a loophole. Yeah, I was like, when when is this gonna come full circle? And I gotta be honest, Dex, I actually saw your name on the Shazam roster that pushed them <laughs> over to the the ground world record breaking. So you actually, your Shazam was the one that sent the. <laughs> What can I say? <laughs> the song is amazing. That video, that visual, like that was like incredible. And it literally summed up everything personally that I was feeling while watching the inauguration. And like, so yeah. to see like an accolade like that, especially from somebody who like you, who are behind, who's behind the scenes, like how does that make you feel? And how do you feel about like talking about stuff like that? Yeah, no, I, I love talking about, you know, music and everything I'm a part of and the things that I can do I've, I've, I, as a musical director. You know, it's my job to make the artist stuff hot. So it feels good that people are recognizing the artist. Aunt Clemens is a is a Jersey boy that this was our first time being able to work directly together, even though we have so many similar uh, friends and and mm-hmm. and so many similar people that we we know. Um, I think we went to the same high school, probably years apart. <laughs> You went to Glassboro in New Jersey? I went to Willemboro. Willemboro, okay. Yeah, I went to Willemboro, New Jersey, which is a whole nother topic, Mina, but it's like a hotbed for me of like the greatest people. I, I was blessed to grow up in black excellence. I didn't know anything else. I didn't know anything else from boys to men to city high to, you know, um, you know, Derek Hodge and, and Thad Tribbett, who are bass player gods to me and to the world um to you know track and field carl lewis we got you know my man sean phillips is an nfl star so many kareem mckenzie we just won the um super bowl um so i grew up in black excellence and my wife tells me it's an anomaly i did not know i was the minority in the world until i was 17 18 years old Mm. and i moved to philly and uh you know got to college and it was like you know some a a little bit of a pecking order and you know i was the minority not only at school but just in 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 the world and i i credit a lot of that crazy backwards amazing thinking to me growing up in willingboro uh new jersey so i said all that to say and a product of that and he has ascended and, uh, you know, meeting Justin in 2013, I've been able to work with him for the last seven years um, very closely. So when they called me to do this, man, it was it was amazing. Now, I must say, 
I did Obama's farewell concert, mm-hmm. uh, 2016. Uh, you're such a beast, bro. Who said I did Obama's farewell concert? <laughs> I just wanted to like it to the same thing. It gave me that same feeling. Like I, I, I don't think, I don't think people really understood like this man. You know, Barack. It was a, a a figure in history. I think we took him for granted. I, I I do think that we know that having our first black president is a huge deal. But I'm talking about the world that he lived in at that time was not what it is right now. So I think those are some of the things that we took for granted. So being a part of the Biden Harris uh, inauguration, it just brought it full circle for me. I hadn't been back to the White House in those in this last four years you know what i mean for probably many reasons i wasn't invited nor did i know anybody that went and sang so <laughs> and nobody we didn't want to be there anyway yeah, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um it just it just felt really good to be a part of that history and to have a time stamp on you know that's something that happens every four years period it's not a thing that happens every day it's not the grammys it's not bet awards you know it's it i can't even say every inauguration is promised because like I said, after Barack, I, I hadn't even been a part of anything um, for our government. So uh, it was great, man. Thank y'all for watching it. Thank you for making it the most Shazam song ever. I think it's going, it just cracked top 100 this week as well on billboard. Um, wow. It's got some big, got some big plans for that song. It's a great, it's a great record that him and Justin wrote. Yeah. Uh, I got a, a question. So, you know, uh, like myself, I I like a lot of 80s music. So I know I like a lot of 80s music because being at my grandma's house, you know, she loved throwing on 80s music, 70s music. So that's where I get my love from it at. So when you first, you know, got started, where did your love for music, where did that come from? Definitely came from my dad and came from my family, extended family, growing up in church. Um, you know, my dad is an organist and then what we would call today a wedding band singer, my dad, but I didn't know at that time growing up, like that's what it was. He just used to be booked. He was booked busy, like, you know, bar mitzvahs, weddings, you know, funerals, unfortunately, but like, you know, banquets and, you know, celebrations, whatever. My dad was the keyboard player singer. So, you know, he was doing top 40 stuff at that time. So I was listening to 80s, 90s, like from hip hop to jazz, to R&B, to country, to gospel. And so definitely growing up in a household full of music and and, 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 uh, incited my love for music. I knew I was going to do something in music. I didn't really know what a musical director was. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom... Uh, was a teacher so I thought maybe I teach music I was really into video games and then I started getting into the sonic palette of video games so I was thinking maybe I would make music for video games you know that's when like NBA live was kind of popping and you kind of heard like tribe called quest in the back like you know what I mean and you kind of heard like many fresh couple records in the back of the you know the video games and stuff like that I was like oh this is this is kind of fresh um, it wasn't until I moved to Philadelphia in 2000 and had some different opportunities that I uh, cultivated my musical director uh, title. 
So I really wanted to talk about that because you're so eclectic in what you do, right? So you play instruments and that alone kind of opens up a lot of doors. You can either be producing or you can play background instrumentation on a record. So you can, yeah. you know, or um, the, the musical director part, you can actually put together like how the music flows into one another for things like the Super Bowl or a Nicki Minaj concert, you know, when you go to a concert, the songs don't stop. They run into each other and they transition. That list, man, it's a big deal. So what does your day to day look like? Like, how do you decide, <laughs> OK, I'm going to produce this record or I'm going to play an instrument on this record or I'm going to somehow, you know, fuse the music together to create a live show? Like, well, how do you separate your day? I think it really depends on the call, who's calling and then what I'm working on. You know what I'm saying? So I happen to be working um, on a lot of things television wise that are solo songs. So like artists is performing one song here, one song there. So uh, the segue thing is not at the forefront of my mind right now. However, I would probably say 2002 to 2012 that's all I was doing with segways and kind of how I got known to have the show kind of keep going. You know what I'm saying? Whether it was, you know, Drake or yay or, you know, Rihanna or whatever, it was kind of like a nonstop joint, you know what I'm saying? And, and working with the artists on the set list and, you know, um, so I, I think it just depends on what the, what the gig calls for Mina. And so that's what makes, it 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 very um interesting my job title because i am in charge of everything live music oriented you know what i'm saying so you know the artist could say i don't want any segues and then at midnight call me back and say you know what i changed my mind let's make these four songs go together you know yeah so i i i have to be prepared for everything I have to be prepared. The reason why I try to, you know, know my harmonic structure and play a bunch of instruments because I'm going to get blamed when it's cool, but I'm going to also get blamed when it's wrong. You know, right. <laughs> if my trumpet player or my percussionist or my drummer or my keyboard player, I need to, and I'm, I play bass, but I need to be able to call out the wrong things to people for the artist to feel comfortable enough to trust me to bring their vision to life. You know what I'm saying? So which role is your favorite? I think it all is an umbrella. It falls under the producer umbrella. So I would say production is great. MDing has, has afforded me the opportunity to move from the stage to the studio. Um, but it all is a form of producing. I'm either live producing, like we said for inauguration, or I'm in the studio, you know, producing soundtracks or whatever it is, which is a lot of live instrumentation. Or it could be me, you know, when when I was with Meek for like NBA All-Star, it's kind of like, he's like, yo, here's the four songs I want to do. Put them together. Tell me how it go. Produce it for me. And then I'm going to show up and, and kill it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 per no sound check. <laughs> No practicing. I know. I heard. <laughs> Meek goes hard and he know his records and he know exactly <laughs> what he wanted to sound like. And, you know, they, it's, it's cool. So I think it all falls under the umbrella of production, which is, you know, a, a great, a great thing of mine. I'm still in love with playing keys and playing bass, but like to see the whole vision come to life is, is a is a, a, a big deal for me.
So, during, you know, during your illustrious career, like we just ran down, um, you know, what are uh, what are some of the sacrifices that you had to make, you know, uh, just with your family in order to get some of the things done that you need to get done, you know, just as far as your career wise and, you know, just to provide for your family. So, like, what are some of the sacrifices you had to make to get to this point? Man, I, I got to be honest and say, I, I try not to make any. My family comes first. You know, I've been there for the birth of both of my kids. I love um, that. You know, I, I know that if the if home ain't right, I can't even perform right. Are you ever, y'all, y'all, maybe you do or maybe you don't know. You ever had that, that, that lover, that boyfriend, girlfriend, and it's like they mad at you. You got that knot in your stomach. You can't yeah. even go to work. You be like, no. <laughs> I can't even play tonight. (laughs) You angry texting all day, got you all, your energy all wrong. Got my guitar on and I'm looking at the phone like, (laughs) you got that Keisha Cole attitude, you just mad. (laughs) Shout out Keisha, man, that's the homie. Um, But but yeah, man, you know, and all jokes aside, I, I try to not make too many sacrifices. You know what I'm saying? My wife is ride or die. We actually met in the industry. She sang background for Vivian Green when we met. So mm-hmm. the great thing about having a partner in the industry is that she knows that gets it. some things that are, us, us. I mean, I'm going to use your word, a sacrifice are for the betterment of our future. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And then for a very long time before our new one, I have a five month old now, but before our new baby, her, um, she would travel everywhere with me. You know what I mean? I remember doing Global Citizens in South Africa. I was like, mm. yo, wife. you know what I'm saying? I remember doing, you know, a couple, you know, movie things. And I was like, yo, I'm, I'm bringing my wife or I'm bringing my kid or, or whatever. And, um, you know, they, they stay with me, man. So I, I try to make them a part of it. She and, and then sidebar, she is my partner in our company, Basic Black Entertainment, BBE. So it's like, you know, she they know she the pit bull in the skirt. So, you know, she, she, yes. she, she's a CFO and she gets the bread. So she allows me to stay creative. Right. Um, if anything, she sacrificed the most just, you know, with our children, having our children and, you know, maybe not necessarily giving up on her singing dreams, but just putting that to the back burner for a quick second uh, and allowing me to stay creative. But man, being a father, you know, has, has changed my life. I got a, my five, my oldest is five and then I have a five month old. But even before that, man, they was rolling with me, bro. So I, I will say that every young, hungry musician producer is like, you know, make sure home home is, is straight because that, that even allows you to work smarter, faster, harder, stronger. Mm. Make home straight is like what my dad, like people always like, what's the best advice your parents ever give given you? And that's what it is for me. My dad always said that growing up, like make sure home is straight. And that's something that like I, today, I tell my friends that I live by that. So I think it's really dope that you, that you said that. And I could tell like, based on your energy or whatever, like that's how you are. Like, this is like really dope for us to be sitting here with you. Um, so I do have a question. So March, 2020, the pandemic hit, like you, as you were just, you're used to being around and doing stuff and being out and about. So yeah. the pandemic hits and they're like, okay, you can't go nowhere. What was your life like? And like, how, what were you doing work-wise during like the early stages of the pandemic? Yeah, so we had just done, so my last year was lit. 
the mm-hmm. early part of last year. I ain't gonna even front. God was blessing, man. I started doing um, j- uh, the Grammys. Yeah. So, uh, my artist Alicia Key, she hosted the Grammys and she did a performance, so that was cool. Wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but you were responsible for Alicia singing all those songs that she put together? So we put that together and that was a lot of her, but also oh. we did, we did, um, wow, a song called Underdog with the choir and they came, kind of came through the aisles and, and, and so that was what I had been asked to do, um, wow. for that. So, uh, and then, you know, Kobe had passed. So that morning, or actually the night before, uh, we ended up calling uh, Nate and Juan and Sean to come out with Alicia and do uh, It's So Hard to Say Goodbye. But I was, you know, that's about being prepared and unfortunately being, you know, unfortunately getting that type of call to put that together so fast um, was was crazy. But, um, yeah, so we had done the Grammys. The next week I did the Super Bowl. With J Lo and Shakira, Shakira, right? The next week, I did the Oscars with Eminem. He was a surprise guest. Mm-hmm. The week after that, I did NBA All Star with with Common <laughs> and and um and Queen Latifah. Um, and then I I took a week off and then went to Atlanta to Tyler's. Uh, to supposedly was supposed to be for two months. I was going to be at uh Tyler Perry Studios doing BET Sunday Best. Uh, which is like a gospel American Idol type of type of show. Really, really great show. And I was in Atlanta, and I remember we had a big meeting at Tyler's, and they said, "Yo, we're gonna shut down. You know, this this virus is getting serious." We actually had somebody sick on set, not of Corona, but at that time we didn't know when it, when when the niggas start coughing, it was just kind of like, whoa. <laughs> 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 I was I was like, oh, so they shut it down. And I was naive enough to think, you know, I want to say that was March 11th, something like that. I was naive enough to think I got, man, I got two weeks off. I'm going to go chill, you know. Right. And here we are, you know, January. Um, so I am very resourceful. I'm very uh, much of a, much of a hustler. And I, I I realized that I had a skill that a lot of people possibly didn't have. And that was me being able to record myself and record my band and stuff like that, not necessarily needing to be on stage. So right away, we went into a bunch of COVID style shows mm-hmm. and um, I was getting the same calls, if I can be honest, and saying, hey, put my show together, this one song, this two song medley, whatever. You won't see the band, but send me the music. And it ended up being the same, man. I worked through the summer, through COVID, and continue to still work because of um, that skill that me and my squad have to record ourselves, to continue to make it sound and feel live without you necessarily needing to see uh, a band. So I, I was very, very thankful for that. And so we moved right from the stage, basically straight to the studio. This is my studio here. I'm in Delaware. You know, my drummer that I use a lot is in LA. My keyboard player I use a lot is in Texas. 
and we're able to just you know through the through the magic of internet uh crazy. you know just kind of keep it moving i'll put an idea down they may put an idea down and send it to me i'll be like ah let's let's try this i don't think she's gonna like this let's do whatever whatever Boom, we get it together i send it to the artist just like i would send if we were about to meet on the road because i always send out sketches and say do you like this before i come to you and teach it to the band mm-hmm. it just ends up you eliminate that one step we're not getting together this is the music and here it is so it's been a blessing to just I keep working yo and 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 i don't i do not take it for granted a lot of people in a lot of different areas especially music you know, and the and the arts in general have been shut down. Um, you know, jobs are hard to come by. There are no concerts. You know, I think about our crew people who like do our setups of the stage and lighting, and and sound and stuff like that. Where it's like they can't do that now. You know what I'm saying? So they've been hit as well. And right. uh, you know, it's it's been it's been rough. I'm I pray we get back to it soon. I don't really see it happening no time soon to be honest but same you know what i mean like we'll, we'll see what happens but that's what i did man i kind of put shifted mindsets on the live tip and went let's stay live how can we give them this live experience but be in the studio be in the box what we call it, in the box i, I like that i like yeah that somebody kept working throughout quarantine because i feel like with us like that's something that we always talked about amongst ourselves that that was very important to do. And to see someone in the industry and we all saw it shutting down, to see someone still pushing through and still working, like that's amazing. And I think it speaks a lot to like your work ethic and also like your skill set. Thank you, man. Yeah, it was a blessing, bro. I, I saw a lot of things get and people get shut down, so mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm thankful. So you've kind of name dropped a lot of people, and it's not like regular. I do that people. on purpose, man. I no, no, you you just like real easily, like oh yeah, so Drake, and I was like, <laughs> and so you know, oh so J Lo, and you know, <laughs> oh Justin Timberlake. So what is the one show that you've put together that you've been the proudest of? So I have I have two. Justin Timberlake's 2020 experience, Netflix. We, we shot a movie, concert movie. That was a very proud moment. Um, but a show that I did not put together that I was a part of, I was the bass player for 2003, uh, an artist uh, named Sean Carter, uh, Fade to Black. And that, that, uh, concert film changed my life. It really did. Questlove, Questlove was the MD. Um, you know, my mentor, he still continues to be my MD to this day. I, I give all shout out to Questlove and James Poyser from Philly and, and the Roots crew have just nurtured me and, and continue to raise me musically. And um, But yeah, Quest brought me on for that show. That was the Jay-Z Farewell concert. His, you know, black album was coming out. That was yeah. it. He was done. And then this little this little girl came out here and sang this crazy and love song in 03. And then he rethought his whole damn life. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That that thing will make you rethink your whole your whole life. <laughs> um, but that those two, you know, off the top of my head are it's it's so many, Mina. I gotta be honest, I'm sliding myself i'm sliding some artists like 2016 we did the bad boy reunion tour 
You know what I'm saying? That music in from night big from '92 to '96 like introduced me to what like lyrics really yeah. meant and how to tell a story. And then you know I was the big dude in high school. My 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 homeboy Dan Dilemma Thomas. I don't know if y'all know Dilemma. Super yes. Super. We we was big and puff like in high school. So it was like you know. <laughs> To get to work with Puff and and play some big music and and all of that in 2016, you know, that's 20 years later from where he impacted me and I'm dancing around more money, more problems and all of that. And I I got to put that together. That was a big deal for me as well. And then one of the other globally impactful shows from um, that I did not realize at the time had such a musical impact was Kanye Glow in the Dark Tour. Mm. And I think that was one of the starts where artists specifically started being way involved in the creative of the stage and the lights and stuff, as opposed to just going up there and singing or going up there and rapping. Like the man Kanye had a spaceship on stage and robots and stuff. And we had he had us in, in uniform, wardrobe, whatever, you know, so. I hadn't seen anything like that at the time. And now it becomes a little more regular now where it's like a, sh a show for people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So do you think Kanye changed the game in that way? Yes. Hands down. Nice. Yes. Yes. I think Kanye was not afraid to own his own vision as opposed to a lot of artists sometimes had let the label or a creative director or whatever just say, yo, you know, when I hear your music, this is what I see. But Kanye said, when I made my music, this is what I saw. You know what I'm saying? And even mm. if you don't see that, this is still what I want. And and I, I do think Ye had a very big part in changing the game. Now, there's some other artists, real talk, you know, Kylie Minogue, she was Madonna, mm -hmm. you know, Janet, they've been real big at having that visual show thing going on too but for a black hip-hop artist specifically to have a storyline weaving in and through his show and it was almost like theater when we mm -hmm. did glow in the dark it was almost like theater and people that was old five oh six so i'm I, I don't really know if like cell phone videos were super big but i just remember people like paying attention for the for uh, lack of a better term you know what I'm saying because I feel like now like these young cats man they miss the moment you know what I'm saying the baby is so dope you know what I'm saying Cardi is so dope and Cole is so dope Kendrick but it's like you got your phone out entire time the whole time you, you <laughs> really being able to yeah it's like you know so <laughs> so you don't want to miss the moment you want to capture it so you can see it again <laughs> you're never going to watch it again you're never going to watch it again Mina don't, <laughs> don't don't stick up for them don't do that <laughs> I just think there's a you know that when you go to that concert that is the moment and I think what I'm trying to say is Kanye you know along with the Michaels and the and the Madonnas like I said but they made that thing a moment where it was like I want to be here I want to be present you know what I'm saying um and so yeah i do think yay changed changed the game in that in that respect for sure and i was blessed to be a part of that it's just, it's 
So those concerts just off the top of my head, you know, Justin, Puff, Jay, and Yay. Sheesh. <laughs> so I, I always, I swear I'm not just saying this because you're here, but I go to, before when the world was normal, I would go to concerts, like, like literally every week I would be at a different concert. And people would always say to me, like, what's your favorite concert? And I would always be like, well, you know, the Ashanti and Ja Rule, that's number one, because I'm, you know, that, those are my people. Okay. But honestly, like the best concert I've ever been to in my life was the 2016 Bad Boy Reunion concert at the Wells Fargo Center. I just, everything about that concert from Diddy and French Montana's Coats, to the fact that you see Toto out there in the stage, to Faith Evans, to the, just, I just, like, I just. That was one of, that was one of the joints, man. It's an it's, it's a un, undeniable roller coaster of emotion when you listen to the music. Um, Philly, I think DMX came out. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Lost my voice when the that just I didn't know you were a part of that, but the fact that I now know that you were a part of that is just like you. I thought you were incredible before, like when Mina first mentioned you. I did my research and everything. I'm like he's incredible, but now like knowing that you were part of my literally my favorite concert of all time, I think you're like. <laughs> Thank you, brother. And I that was that was epic for me. Um, yeah, I mean, it was it was it was it was big. I've I've had some some great moments, man. But those those ring ring it for me another life-changing moment i gotta just be straight up is that you know me being the east coast boy i've been working amir Questlove um passed the eminem gig to me around 2009 so that was incredible and i continue to work with marshall he's such a, a great artist and you know top five easy you know arguably um but 2012 because of me working with Marshall from 09, I got a call to do Dr. Dre for Coachella. And so me being the East Coast boy, that was a big deal in the in the in our nation, <laughs> in our music, in our music uh nation. And wow. so, uh doing Dre and Snoop for Coachella was a big deal as well. I don't think that gets enough pub that that show should. That's when the Tupac hologram happened. Mm. Yeah, so, um, there's so much that you're a part of that I didn't even know. I'm, I, you know, yeah, I've, I've lived through these things, and you know, I, I didn't even know you were a part. I'm gonna start calling you when stuff happens. Yeah, I'm gonna be like, "Are you a part of this?" <laughs> That's so funny. I'm definitely. I have. I. I have a lot of numbers in my phone that are not saved, and it'll just the the the, the thread will be like. Yo, so can you give me tickets to the? <laughs> like, who this? That's amazing. I do have one more question for you. So I know that you are a part of the Super Bowl. You're curating the the national anthem with Jasmine Sullivan. Yeah. Shout out Jasmine Sullivan, Philly, Philly, Philly. Yes. Shout out my boy Eric Church too. He's gonna be a part of that. Mm-hmm. Currently, you're wearing the Eagles jersey, and we know the Eagles are not in the Super Bowl. So like because you're a part of the Super Bowl now and like you who are you like, who are you rooting for now? Like <laughs> for Dad and Solomon. Yeah. <laughs> you're not even going for Andy Reid, bro? The Chiefs? So I was at the Super Bowl last year. Andy won. I was very happy, you know. Now Shady is on the Chiefs this year. Did y'all know the yep. boy? Mm-hmm. I, I do. I think it's some I hate Tom Brady. I'm with you. Right. 
I think it's something super duper dope and special that the first time ever in the 55 Super Bowls, the home team is there. It happens to be Brady the year he left the Patriots. So I, I'm like a little bit like he's already the GOAT, unfortunately. My Eagles beat him in 2017. It was one of the I cried. It was one of the best. <laughs> Um, but I think it's something very special, man, about him going out like that, uh, honestly. And I think that's a, you know, we've been talking about moments in history and time on this whole call on this Zoom. So it's like, that's a, that's a, that's big, but it, that's just big for sports. You know what I'm saying? Like Tom Brady and, and I hope he, if he wins, I hope he does retire. <laughs> He's not. He's, He's not. not. Why yeah. would you? Give somebody yeah. else a chance. Give somebody else a chance. That's like saying, that's like telling, you know, Adam, oh, you've done all the top artists. Let someone else do it. What? Yeah, I'm, well, I'm, well, like, well, I'm like, I'm well, like A1 in my league. You going to tell well, me to stop? There's a big difference, though. Now, let me tell you something. <laughs> about going out on top. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That, that if he were to win, there is nothing else he needs to do. I think one of the things that he's trying to, this is my personal opinion, he wanted to prove that he didn't need the, his old Bill Belichick, player. right. So so if if he were to win, it's like come back and win your eighth ring. Like, you know, I that that actually is like, now it's like for what? Because the hater in me is going to say, well, Gronkowski's still there, so you still had a piece of him. Like, I'm always going to hate. Like, I'm always going to hate. Nah, man, that boy, that boy Tom is good. I hate him. He's, he's so good. He's so good. I hate him. He wants <laughs> to be the quarterback with the most Super Bowls. I think he is. He he got six right now, right? He got ten appearances. Ten appearances and six wins. Six wins. Who else got six? Six. Is it six wins? And then okay, so that okay, so he got that already. Young got three. Montana got two, three. Elway got one. Yep. Two. I mean, maybe know. with okay. So the most Super Bowl with two different teams, <laughs> he still got it already. <laughs> That's the case. He can come play for Philly next year. We'll right. You know? <laughs> uh, Adam, I saw that you work on the Mass Singer. What do you? That's my show. First of all, like, what did you do on the Mass Singer? So season two, I'm no longer part of it now. I, in a weird, weird way, I had to choose last year's Super Bowl or Mass Singer season three. Wow. I went with the Super Bowl, you know, with a little coercion from uh, the... the Jay-Z? Uh, yeah. <laughs> the, the Carters, I was going to say. Jay-Z. <laughs> uh, but I worked on season two. It was an amazing experience. I have to say, you know, it was one of the toughest jobs I had ever done because really? um, you don't see a band, but you hear the music and it's a lot of music. As you know, Mina, if you like that show, you see, love it. you know, from 10 to 14 artists each week performing different songs. I have to then prepare different versions for them, depending on when they go into the show. I have to do, they used to do a thing, Mina, if you remember called the battle round at the yep. end, don't do that anymore, but I had to prepare each artist battle song, which was a whole separate song. So I, I almost had a nervous breakdown doing, <laughs> doing that show. But I will say, you know, it, everything that you do prepares you for the next thing. That was one of the shows uh, during our regular life of the world open where I didn't have a band. So I had to record. I had to pre-record. 
fast forward eight months later, we're in COVID and I'm doing the same style, not the same music arrangement, but the same style of music for every other artist because there is no band and you can't, you know, be on stage and stuff like that. So that's wow. is a in a very weird way prepared me for where we're at now musically anyway. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I was in charge of doing all every time they sang, that was me. That was my music for season two. That was my music. Wow. And, and um Wayne Brady won that year. Um, but there was some phenomenal guests and some phenomenal talent and just great people. Adrian Ballon was on. Yeah, I was just going to say the Flamingo. (laughs) My girl, me and her still talk. Uh, Raven Simone is like, she was Black Widow. So that's like, me and her have developed this amazing friendship and I actually produced some records for her after that. Um, Victor Oladipo was on there. I'm a basketball fanatic. So him being there was like a big deal for me. Um... Just so many people. There was a couple people from SNL cast. Patty LaBelle was on. Patty LaBelle. So we had our Philly connection going as, as well. So that that show is awesome. I wish them nothing but success and love. And uh, you know, those are my, those are my peeps. Season two of the, I didn't know you worked on the Mass Singer, but season two of the Mass Singer was my favorite season. And like Wayne Brady, who won like one of my idols too, and he performed. Okay. Um, like a song to every little step I take, and like yes. I learned the choreography to do it <laughs> at my at my wedding. So like I just oh yeah, you got a lot of like you got a lot of like the stories come back. Yeah, he just on. he just story time Dexter. You got, ran, you got random random Dex. Right, Garnet, you got a question? Uh, uh, I was I was just honestly just gonna make sure that he said Jay Z's name because he tried not to. He said the Carters earlier, so that's why when I said I was just gonna reiterate that he was trying not to say it. But um, uh, now that I am here, I'll say this. Um, you know, it just it really seemed like you built a lot of your career not just off of talent but off of networking. Yeah. Um, if you had any advice, you know, for up and coming people, or even just, you know, New Jersey artists, because it, it's very hard to make it from, you know, where we come from. Um, do you have any advice on how to, you know, leverage, I guess, your network to put you in a position to do all these great things? That's a great question. Mina, real quick, we live on Facebook? Yes. All right, cool. Some people are hitting me. I'm just making sure they, they can, I can drive them to your page. Yep. I'm on. It's the Mina's House podcast page, though, and then I share it to my own page. All right, bet. I'm gonna just let him right now. Look at you promoting on the spot, okay, Adam? (laughs) Who needs a PR person? (laughs) Um, yo, so so really, it's all about following your dreams. I know that sounds so freaking cliche, but it's if you can think about it, if you see yourself doing it, you can do it. You can do anything you put your mind to. Um, Like I mentioned before, I didn't grow up in a social media age. And so for the young people now, it's the best thing. I never got a chance to DM Puff or like to DM Mina. Or you know what I'm saying? Like you, you wouldn't know. be DMing me. I would be no. DMing you. <laughs> I'm saying like, you know, to get to the radio. How about you know, let's just be honest. Like to get to, you know, Kobe or to get to, you know what I'm saying? Like Pooch, man, like, you know what I'm saying? Like back in the day, or any, you know, Steve Harvey. And um um 
any anybody like you know Tom Joyner, like we wouldn't be able to no matter mm-hmm. what you're trying to do, it wouldn't be as accessible as it is now. And then I look at kids hitting me up like, yo, I listen to you and this is what I do. And they almost doing me better than me because they done studied me and all of that. So it's like I really would just say follow your dreams, man. Like all all things are possible. No, no, K-N-O-W that a no, N-O does not define who you are. You know what I'm saying? So please know that a no does not define who you are. Keep going. Use that no as motivation. Just know it's not your time and just keep and just keep pushing. Um, I would totally say travel when you can. And I know that sounds so stupid. I just sound like a, a, a doofus right now saying travel during this cold. Jericho. <laughs> but I but but I, I, I that helped open my eyes to a whole nother culture, a whole nother genre of, of, of music when I went overseas and, and, and it helped me meet people that were producing that kind of music. And I got into it and wanted to infuse those styles into what I was doing. So, you know, when the world opens back up, don't be afraid to travel and just meet people and network. Um, I read a story on the, on the dude, Ed Clemens that we were just talking about, like he just went to LA in 2016. Now he got the number. He just broke the record for the song. You know what I'm saying? So it's like he's writing with her music and Ty Dolla and Justin Timberlake and all these people, you know, and he just followed his dreams. He said he was working at Red Lobster or something and just like writing on writing every day and just popping up at the studio. So I was that guy as well in a different way. But, you know, when I moved to Philly, I just would sit in the lobby of studios just right ready to play bass, ready to play keys, drum, anything, ready to get a coffee, whatever they was going to ask me to do just to be in the mix. And I got my big break when, like, somebody didn't show up and, you know, they asked me to come in the studio and play. And I was terrible. And they like, okay, we're not going to use that. But that helped me fuel me, like, okay, now I know what people are looking for once yeah. I am able to even walk in the door. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And, um, yeah, man, you just got to stay persistent, stay persistent. The other thing that I would say is conquer your town first. You know what I'm saying? Social media may have one drawback in thinking that it's sweet on the outside or it's easy to do stuff that people are doing. But the reason why I was able to build up a little bit of buzz early was because I was trying to do as much as I could in New Jersey and Philadelphia. And then it was like, oh, that's Adam. Yeah, I just saw him at that restaurant playing. Or I just saw him at the theater playing. Or I just saw him at that church playing. You know what I mean? So I, I just saw him at the club, the five spot, whatever. So it was like I was trying to do everything I could around the town so that when whoever got that first opportunity, whether it was me or my homeboy or they knew somebody that knew somebody, I was in the mix. So just be in the mix. All right. Well, thank you, Adam. Uh, this is so incredible. And you're you're such a talent. And I, I hope you. that your PR person, you know, makes you a household name because you. you're incredible. People need to know who you are. Thank you so much for reaching out, Mina. I, I appreciate you and the crew and uh, anything y'all need from me, man. I got y'all back for sure. All right. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Adam Blackstone, ladies and gentlemen basically amazing, extraordinary person. 
So we ran really long. So um, thank you guys for watching and listening. We will talk to you next week. It's the 162nd episode of the Mina's House podcast. Amina, say what? Barnett Briscoe. X Stucky. All right. Bye, guys.